Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Some clients don't have boundaries. How do I deal? Tips on the mindset shift from one person show to agency. Any change in your daily routine. Have you found your entrepreneurship sweet spot? How did you manage work-life balance when freelancing and working full-time? Hey everyone, what's up and welcome back to the show. I gotta get this out of the way first and foremost. I don't normally make these little announcements, but I know that my hair is doing some wild things today. I don't know if I look like I'm 12 with this little braid, and I can also guarantee you the braid is gonna fall out as I get talking, so just please ignore that. It is beautiful fall weather. We're finally getting fall weather here, but um, it is so humid today. I don't know what's going on, so this is the best I can do, okay? Okay. With that said, I wanted to record a little mindset productivity sort of Q&A today. This is a topic I've been getting a lot of questions about recently. And I actually, based on the video that I just posted, the, my latest vlog, a lot of you had feedback, good, bad, ugly. So I just kind of wanted to talk about some of these things about burnout, all that. And I thought what better way to do that than to see what you all were struggling with and how I might be able to help. So let's hop in. First question I thought was extremely appropriate for, you know, what's been going on in my life. And it is, how do you keep yourself from working 24 seven? And I think the best answer to this question is really have things that you love to do, have things that matter to you in your life that's not just work. So maybe that's family, maybe that's relationships, maybe that's a hobby or an activity. I just started taking this piano class. A lot of you were asking like, what is, wait, what are you doing in school? It's just for fun. It's just for fun. I have no desire to be like a pianist or anything like that. I just wanted to have an activity. I really don't have a lot of hobbies like that don't involve making money somehow to be honest honest. It's like every hobby I come up with ends up being a monetizable activity, which I guess is a good thing to some extent, but you need to have things that you just like to do for fun. So have things like that. Also routines really, really help. I'm not the kind of person who wakes up every morning and like starts journaling and, you know, goes, works out and stuff like that. I wish I was that person. I just, I don't think that's ever going to be me, but I do have certain routines. Like I wake up and I always like to have, you know, 10, 20 minutes, maybe more like 20, 30 minutes just to myself, like drink my coffee by myself in silence with a candle or a book, or maybe reading some news or a podcast or something like that. Just me time. And then I like to spend, you know, 20, 30, 40 minutes with my husband before we leave, go our separate ways for the day, either really go our separate ways or go to separate areas of the apartment. So having those routines kind of help your brain signal, okay, this is relaxing time. This is family time. And then this is work time. And then same thing for the end of the day, close your door to your office. If you have a physical office, if you're just working in your kitchen, like I did for years, close your laptop, walk away, go outside to signal the end of the day. It's really important to have those sort of unplug times and make them non-negotiable. Of course, we're going to have late nights sometimes that are really hard to avoid, but as best as you can, you know, day to day, try to have those routines. Some clients don't have boundaries. How do I deal? I don't know if this question is about like personal boundaries, like they're asking inappropriate questions, or if it's probably more related to time, workload, stuff like that. I'm going to guess it's the latter, in which case I would definitely recommend 
having a good onboarding process, looking at your onboarding process and making sure that it's really clear on what your expectations are. With that, I mean, making sure that the scope of your project is outlined really nicely, you know, that they know exactly what they're getting for what they're paying, that you detail your communication preferences and requirements, frankly, you know, what's the email they reach out to if they're having an account issue, if they get locked out of their account, if they don't like something that goes up, like what is the process for that? Because if you don't give them a process, they will overstep. I mean, that's just how humans work. And I try not to make it this like us against them thing because it's just how we all work, right? Like until someone tells us not to do something, you think of a kid, they're going to touch that hot stove until you tell them not to do it. So I don't want to talk about clients like their children, but you kind of have to teach them what is appropriate you know, for your working situation. So if you don't give them any expectations, they're just going to call you the second they have something going on. So it's important for you to do that. As far as boundaries with like workload, I will leave a link to a YouTube video I did. It's, it's a YouTube short. So it's like a one minute clip. It really is my answer to scope creep. I think that will help you, hopefully. <laughs> Tips on the mindset shift from one person show to agency, any change in your daily routine, huge changes. This is something I don't wanna say I'm struggling with because I love it. I love working with the team. I love my team. They're all amazing and capable and you know, always there for me. But yeah, it is kind of hard because you have to go from being the doer, you know, you're doing everything, you're hustling super hard, you're doing all the things, being maybe a Jack or Jane of all trades, to you're being the delegator, you're being the leader, you're being the motivator. That's really your job now. My job is not to do all the things. I really should not be even doing as much as I do in my business. I still do a lot of hands-on stuff in my business and it's a lot of things. It's me being kind of stubborn which I really need to work on with myself of like, you need to give this to other people. I, I have a thing where I feel like I don't want my team to think like I'm being lazy and I'm pushing all this stuff off to them because I don't want to work. So I'll do things. I'll be like, oh, that's quick. I can just do it. I can just do it. I can just do it. My video editor actually, yeah, love you girl, brought this up to me in our last call. She was like, I noticed that you like pre-edit the video. I'm like, caught, um, guilty. It's not that I don't think they're capable. It's just like, I'm like, oh, I can just help. I can just be a little more helpful. But really you need to think of it you're the CEO of the company, you need to be saving and, and focusing your energy on the things that no one else can do. No one else can sign the checks for me, right? I have to pay my people. I have to make time to pay those invoices or no one else is gonna get paid. I have to come up with the ideas. I come up with all these topic ideas. I come up with all my course ideas, all my lecture content. I need to do that stuff. No one else can do that for me. And if I don't do those things, Nobody else can get paid to do the things that I'm trying to help them do, you know? So that's one way that I kind of think of it. It's also about relinquishing creative control. I mean, I don't really have a big issue with that nowadays. We'll talk a little bit about that. Another question asks about action and messy action. But if you are somebody who's very meticulous with certain things that you do and processes that you have, yeah, you got to get used to like realizing 90% of what you did is still better than 0% right? If I can do two videos a week rather than one video a week on my own, and even if the quality, I mean, I, again, I think my editor is amazing, so I'm not talking about you specifically, but if, even if I were to say the quality is like 90% as good as when I do it myself, I can still do two videos at 90% 
or one video at 100%, right? Like you have to weigh that out. The answer is usually gonna be that it's better to still do two videos at a little bit under your standard, which again, my videos are amazing. So I'm not talking about my editor. (laughs) Have you found your entrepreneurship sweet spot? This is a tough one because, and I'm guessing they're meaning like work-life balance wise. I think no, but I don't, okay. Yes and no is my answer. Yes and no. I think when we think about the term work-life balance, we think of an antiquated view of it. We think of work-life balance like a lot of maybe our parents worked. They went to work nine to five and then they clocked out and then they were at family time five to nine, 10, whatever. And then weekends were always about family and kids. I don't know that that is the future of work at least for me. And I also want to say when I talk about being burnt out, like I did in my last vlog, sometimes people, you know, I get all these like coaches and stuff like that in my DMs, like, oh my gosh, Latasha, you need to do this. Don't tell me what to do. Number one, (laughs) with love. I know that I could put out more self-paced courses and make a lot of money doing that and not have to live teach. I know that I could put up Zoom calls as videos or whatever, you know, I could, I could do things halfway but that's not my style. I like to be busy. I like to have interaction with live students. I like to be in the comments of YouTube. I like to check my DMs. Well, not really, but I know whatever. Okay. I digress. So at the level of work that I enjoy doing, I don't know that that Monday through Friday, nine to five weekends off balance is realistic for me or even what I want. What I want is to be able to prioritize things in my life. And I think, yes, I have reached that level. I'm at the level where if a friend calls me and they're having some type of crisis, they broke up with their boyfriend or they you know, are having a bad mental health day, I can go meet them for coffee pretty much anytime, any day. I don't really have any meetings that I am not in control of that I cannot move. I teach two hours a week for the most part. So as long as it's not those hours, I can do it. If my family wants to come visit for a weekend, I can go hang out with them. No questions asked. I can take time off whenever I want. If I want to go travel, whenever I kind of start traveling again, I can work from anywhere. So that to me is balance. That to me feels good. Somebody in the Freelance Friday Club recently was talking about this and they said, you know, their non-negotiable is their kids' soccer games. I think it was soccer or some type of sports game. They will not miss one of those. Yeah, I'm in the same place. I think if I become a parent, I'm going to have things like that where I don't want to miss my kids, piano recitals, dance recitals, soccer games, whatever. But maybe I'm working then afterwards, after dinner, after we come home and celebrate their soccer game, I'm going to work on the computer till 9 p.m., you know? So I think it's about finding what balance is like for you is the moral of the story. And yes, I do think I'm at that place where I have enough flexibility and control over my schedule, but it doesn't look like every evening I log off exactly at 5 p.m. And although most days I do, I will say. Power of saying no. Ooh, good one. I always say opportunity comes from saying yes. Power comes from saying no. The first part, you know, yeah, I, I said yes a lot when I was first starting out. I'm like amazed that my hair is still in this braid. I, I definitely thought it was going to fall out. I probably jinxed it now. But anyway, yeah, when I first started out, I said yes to everything, right? I said yes to every speaking gig. I was speaking for free. I was doing work for like way affordable rates. Let's just put it nicely. And then once you've kind of proven to yourself, once you've built your portfolio, once you've proven to yourself that you can do it, once you've proven to other people that you can do it and you start to build that demand and build that reputation, then it's time to start saying no and driving up the value of your work. That's what I think the power of saying no does for you. And I know it sounds super cheesy and super cliche, but whenever I've said no to something and had to walk away from something, something better has like always come up. Seriously. It might not be in that 
day in that month even but over time I'll be like okay there was a reason that didn't work out there was a reason maybe the company did something I don't agree with maybe they went out of business maybe I got a contract that was worth double what they were trying to offer me you know whatever the case may be it seriously it always works out that way and at the very least you're able to prioritize some of your own things and I think it's really important for everybody to have some type of product that they own, some type of IP or intellectual property, whether that's a course, whether that's a program, whether that's a ebook, whether that's something, uh, because you can always sell that even if the clients aren't there. So you can always work on that while you're saying no to other things. Best tips to get going and take action. You have to do stuff. <laughs> you have to take action for anything to change. I have gotten really comfortable over the years with taking messy action, creating a first draft. That's really important. It's important to know that, and I say this with love, your first anything is probably going to suck. My first video sucked. <laughs> my first podcast, not that good. My first blog post, terrible. My first client project, honestly, look, looking back, kind of bad. My first course, not great. Updated it three times now, I think to make it the quality that my students deserve. You have to just start though. If you don't start, you can't improve. How can you improve on something that hasn't been started? And watch it back, like watch your course, watch your client call, record your client calls, watch them back to yourself, record your discovery calls and keep them internally and watch them back and say, I can do better at this next time. I notice I am not making eye contact. I notice, you know what? I shouldn't have worn a hoodie on that discovery call. I should have dressed up for the occasion. You know, whatever it is, like your first one is gonna give you material to improve upon. That's how I take action is knowing that not everything I create or do is gonna be a masterpiece, but it's gonna give me an opportunity to improve. How do you make sure you achieve your goals that seem impossible at times? So you have to break your goals up into little baby chunks, okay? Let's say that, you know, you're starting out, you're making, you know, a full-time income at a corporate job, you want to start a business and you want to have a business that earns, you know, $100,000, right? That coveted six-figure year. You need to break that up by first saying, I need to replace my full-time job income. I have this note on my phone somewhere that I wrote out my little goals and it was like, on month one, I want to do 75% of what I made up in corporate. Maybe it was like 50%. Month two, I want to do 75%. Month three, I want to be making what I make in corporate. So you're giving yourself leniency. I'm probably not gonna replace my full-time income in one month, that's just not realistic. So that's the other part of it, is you have to have time goals associated to that too. Then from there, you know, okay, now you've made your corporate income, how do you get to that six-figure mark? Okay, I just need to double the amount of contracts or raise my rates once or, you know, whatever that is. Break it up into little micro goals. Because yeah, saying a big number like that when you're starting out from scratch is like so overwhelming and it does feel impossible, but you can, you can take on three clients. You can get one client even further back. You can get one discovery call. It all starts from there. I mean, I know, again, it probably sounds cliche, but you just got to start like, you, you know, one is better than nothing. One attempt is better than nothing. And that's how you grow. And that's how you, um, reach your goals, truly. How did you manage work-life balance when freelancing and working full-time? So I've talked before on other podcasts and YouTube videos about, you know, how I would actually manage my time. I would take a lot of calls in the morning before I went to work with my European clients. I would take calls with my clients on the West Coast after work because of the time differences and things like that. I would take calls on my lunch break sometimes. Um, I've talked about that before. 
But about the actual balance and like the mindset of it, first, it really comes down to choosing clients that you get excited about. I'm not gonna say that that's not work because work is work. Like this, I love doing this. I mean, this is so fun to me, but it's still work. Like I'm hungry, like I'm ready for a lunch break. Like I said, I had to record this twice because my hair was doing like wild things. It was, wow. So it's still work, even though I love it, but it makes it a whole lot easier. If you're working with a client that you're super excited about, it makes it a lot easier. And the thing is when you're working full-time, your bills are covered, right? Your, your full-time job is covering your bills, covering your lifestyle. Your freelancing is really more about building your reputation, building your portfolio, building those relationships, setting the foundations of your business. So do that with intention, I would say is number one. Number two, I think having a no touch. An untouchable day is so important. I still have one. I don't work most weekends, but sometimes I do. Sometimes I film a video or, you know, whatever, work on something, but I always have one weekend day. It's either Saturday or Sunday. It depends on what's going on in my life. That is not to be touched. Uh, that is just for relaxing, laying on the couch, hanging out with my friends, my family, my husband, whatever. Like you have to have that. And it's especially important when you're working full time because working seven days a week with two jobs, I've done it. it it's, a, it's a road to burnout. <laughs> I would say those are probably the big things. The last thing about that is being really honest too. Being transparent with your clients. For some reason, I think we have this thing where we, we're like ashamed to admit that we still have a full-time job which I, I've been there, I, I felt the same way, I don't know why, but it's better for everybody involved if you're you, you're just honest and you say, hey, I work during the day so I can either take calls you know, at noon on my lunch break or we can meet up on my way home from work or you know, whatever. It prevents a lot of disappointment and it also prevents a lot of stress from you, from your clients calling you in the middle of the day and you feeling like you have to hide things from your boss and like all these different things, like just be honest. And if they don't like that, then you'll find somebody else you know, abundance mindset, right? Last question I wanna answer, what do you believe is the best strategy? Try to be as viral as possible or try to be as consistent, honest, and active as possible. When I first read this question, I thought the answer was really obvious. I would say it's the latter, but after thinking about it, I think it, my answer is it depends. It depends on what stage in business you're at. If you are building an audience, you should actually be trying for virality, if you will. I don't really like that word, but discoverable content. Creating content that, is gonna get a lot of eyes on it that is going to get you in front of a lot of people. That can look different for everybody. That could be a search-friendly YouTube video. That could be speaking at a conference. That could be doing a TikTok, a trending TikTok, right? But once you start to develop that audience and build the audience, then it's time to nurture them and create content on a consistent schedule that really provides them value and works them through that sales funnel. I will say about this question, you should always be honest. I think that there is a way to do viral and to do attention grabbing while still being honest. I mean, I experiment with my YouTube titles, right? Of course, if I'm talking about something sad, I'm gonna put that in the YouTube title because I know people are gonna click on it because they're curious, but it doesn't mean that I'm not gonna actually talk about that or that I'm gonna like dramatize it. No, I'm just gonna bring up whatever happened in the video in a more entertaining way, you know? So there's ways to do it that are honest and seeking that virality, if you will, let's say attention grabbing. But yeah, you have to know where you're at in your funnel and, and what your goal is, what you're trying to accomplish with those eyeballs on your content. 
Okay, I think that's it for all the questions today. But before we go, I want to thank Lance for partnering with me on today's audio podcast episode. Lance is the first smart business bank account for the self-employed. Over 60 million freelancers struggle to navigate their business banking and accounting because today's options still lack a clear financial structure and relevance to most one-person freelance businesses. Freelancers' deductible expenses are often unclear. Payroll accounting differs depending on a lot of different factors, you know, business structure, revenue, all of that. And freelancers often struggle to know how client payments should be allocated across salaries, business expenses, taxes, and business profit. Lance is like a robo CFO or chief financial officer. It puts all of your freelance business income on self-drive. It helps you pay your taxes, transfers a personal salary over to you, tracks your expenses, and even auto saves a portion of your revenue. And hey, I know there are a lot of neobanks out there, but here's what makes Lance different. Lance is the business account that puts your money on autopilot. You set your stacks and watch your income get auto allocated towards salary, savings, taxes, and expenses just how you want it. And if you get Lance Pro, Lance pays your taxes to the IRS, your salary to you. And with Lance Checkout, your clients can pay you directly using a credit card. So I will leave a link down below for Lance if you wanna check them out. Having your business finances in order is quite important to keeping that healthy business mindset as well, might I add, because there really is no stress like financial stress in your business. I'm telling you, I mean, maybe it's just me. I don't think it is though, but I know I never want to feel like I'm trying to scam the system. I never want to feel like the IRS is after me. Actually, I just talked about this (laughs) in last week's video about how you know, I'm having some issues with my own salary and paying myself. And it really does do a number on your mindset and your mental health when you're running a business. So having this stuff in order is super, super important. So again, I'll leave that link down below and in the show notes if you're listening on the audio platforms. If you're watching on YouTube, just so you know, you can subscribe on the audio platforms. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and pretty much anywhere else. And if you're listening, subscribe to me on YouTube. I'm trying to get to 100K. That's the goal. I don't think it's gonna happen by the end of the year, but maybe by uh, March or so, let's aim for that. So you can find me on YouTube, Latasha James. Just search that in the search bar. And thank you all for tuning in. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Hope you enjoyed the episode and I will talk to you next time. Bye.